Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. September real estate numbers here in the GVRD dropped 46% year over year. Big number, obviously, September is typically a higher sales month, but we saw things essentially fall off a cliff as far as sales volumes goes. But that is not the full story, and we're going to get into that right now. Everyone, and welcome to this episode. We're getting into the September stats here for Vancouver right off the top. The big headline, of course, you've probably already heard it. Sales volumes down 46%. We only saw about 1,700 homes sell last month. And again, that's for September. September is typically the beginning of the fall season. We typically see a spike. Nothing's been typical for three years now. And this is a perfect example of that. 10% less homes sold than just last month as well. And August is typically slow. So to see 10% less homes sell in September over August is also a bit of an eye-opener here. And we are well, well below the 10-year average now, sitting about 36% lower than a typical September. This was the lowest September looking back to 2018. It's only a four-year low, but again, probably one of the four lowest Septembers in the last few decades here. The last time, or when 2018 was in effect, we also saw about an 11% drop in HPI when we saw similar sales volumes. We're almost there verbatim now, so not too much of a shock, but we're going to get deeper into the numbers in a moment here. That's right, guys. Um, welcome back to the channel again. Uh, my name is Ryan Dash, joined by my business partner and co-host, Dan Wirtle. We run a real estate team here out of Vancouver, and we make educational YouTube videos and podcasts for our clients and our online community to make sense of this insanely complicated real estate market, specifically September for this episode. Um, we would love it if you guys gave us a big thumbs up, hit that subscribe button, ring the bell, so you don't don't miss the next episode. And so you also let other awesome people like yourselves uh, learn from the content we produce each week. Um, Lastly, if you want to book a call, you want to chat about your specific situation or the market in general, just reach out to the numbers below. You've got Dan and myself and uh, we'll chat about your situation. Now with respect to new listings, um, we saw 4,222 new listings, sorry, 4,229 new listings in September. That is actually an 18.2% decrease compared to September of last year um, and a 27.1% increase compared to August. So while we saw a uh, relatively <laughs> slow September, um, at least there's a little bit more product here um, on the market. That being said, interestingly, Toronto saw the fewest new listings for the month since 2002. With these increase in listings, you would think inventory would creep up, but it is not. And this is the thing. We've been talking about watching the inventory numbers for about three months now, and it is absolutely maintaining the most interesting 
I guess, data point within all the metrics right now, because we are still under 10,000 listings. That is just the ceiling that the market cannot crack right now. And again, we're seeing 90% year over year increases in places like Toronto and here in Vancouver, listings are down year over year. They're actually down a whopping four units from this time last year. <laughs> Obviously, that's basically verbatim. But still, you got to think when uh, the province as a whole is up 36% and GVRD is down from last year, it really speaks to what's going to happen on the other side of this. Uh, down about 3% um, total from last month. And this is now the third monthly decline in inventory in a row. Again, mm-hmm. the rest of Canada is going up. GVRD is going down. What does this mean? Well, on the other side of this, when inflation stops being the key word and people start focusing on housing again, and that's going to trigger the moment interest rates go flat or start to decline, guess what? There is still a housing crisis. It was only four or five months ago when everybody was still talking about how there were no homes for sale, and that is still the case today. Buyers are on the sidelines. Sellers are on the sidelines. It is a stalemate. It is... It is just absolutely frozen out there. And again, when this shifts, because as we know, Vancouverites can only handle about five, six months without (laughs) buying before they seem to come back in droves. I'm telling you, that is going to happen again. I don't have a date when. Maybe it's spring. But again, it's been absolutely frozen for a while. And we will see people come rushing back when that trigger moment happens. Yeah, I think we're, I mean just outside of the stats for a second. I think we're also hearing that around um, in other forums as well, right? Um, we're, we're hearing of a lot of noise is, is starting to uh, be made by uh, people in the housing sector um, all around the world, not just here, right? And we're seeing it from the World Economic Forum, World Banks, all putting pressure now on G7 nations to slow down these interest rate hikes. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but very interesting time. And I think it just it's, it speaks to the fact that Vancouverites, if they know they, they're they not going to put their nice property on, on uh, the market if, if the market isn't there to support it. And I think that that just shows. Um, and that's, um, let's talk about the sales to active ratio. That is one of my favorite ratios to look at. And we talk about buyer behavior in the marketplace. So third month in a row, we are looking at balanced conditions with the overall sales to active ratio at 16.9%, call it 17%. Um, that looks like 12.5% for detached homes, sitting pretty in that balanced market. Um, I would say if it continues to have downward pressure though, Dan, we're not far from a buyer's market in the detached segment. Townhomes are sitting right in the middle there. Um, in a balanced market at 18.4% and condos just sitting on the, well, I mean, it's 20.9%. So 12 to, to 20% is typically considered a balanced market. I would still put apartments in a balanced market today. Um, nothing points to the sales to active ratio entering buyer's territory at any time. Um, so still seeing, you know, a much calmer market, less ferocity. Uh, that said, some segments, some areas are seeing higher numbers and some are seeing lower. Keep in mind, buyer's market is basically a unicorn in GVRD. If you go back 30 years, our market has only been in buyer's market territory something like 5% of the time. 
-hmm. It is extremely rare to enter into a buyer's market here. And we're kind of seeing it right now too. Record low sales practically. And basically the eight, uh, sorry, the sales to active listings ratio is just not moving. It's been Mm -hmm. flat for basically three months and it's on Mm -hmm. the higher side of balanced. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's holding out for a buyer's market, uh, be careful. I don't think you're going to see it even now. The 5% too, Dan, even if we were to enter that, that 5% buyer's market would not last for a long time. That's the other thing about that metric too. If you go back and look at those metrics, the buyer markets do not last very long. So be aware of that too. Even the global financial crisis, we were a buyer's market for about six months. There you go. And of course, what happened during that? Nobody bought. Mm-hmm. Right? Volumes were incredibly low. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's look at price. HPI. We are now sitting at $1,155,000. That is down 2.1% from just last month, which is a pretty significant drop for an HPI. 2%. This is the fifth monthly decline in a row, and we're now down 9.5% from our peak, which was April via the Mm. HPI. We're still up year over year, about 4% from last September. But again, that's not what people are focusing on. As of right now, we're basically back to December 2021 prices. So we've erased about nine months of gains here. Now, keep in mind, is it the same as buying a home in December of 2021? Not even close. Because we're down, let's call it 10% HPI. We would need to be down about 25% HPI for the home to be as affordable based on the current mortgage rates as it was back in December. So even that 10% decline does not make these homes more affordable, quote unquote. Let's have some reference here. Let's look back at the last three biggest declines in HPI for a reference of what's happening today and where this might go. Global financial crisis, 2008, 2009, we saw the HPI drop 15.5%. Fairly big number for Vancouver. It took nine months for that 15.5% to fully recover. Next one, 2016. Remember when the foreign buyers tax and the stress tests were implemented here? That put a shock to the system. Prices dropped, largely driven by West Vancouver, uh, 8%. Took five months to recover that 8%. Incredibly resilient market. The biggest one, though, and it is the most recent one. When we look at 2017, 2018, which was a down market, which followed the extreme bull run of like 20, 20, 2010, basically up to 2016, 17, that dropped 19% from its peak and took 21 months to fully recover. Of course, it shot up another 19% after that. But again, there's kind of your three most recent cycles. So 15%, 8%, 19%, and anywhere between five months and 21 months to fully recover. Interesting. Okay. So Very keep that in mind, knowing with, yeah. with what's going to happen here next and what kind of recovery time frame we may see happen here. Now, as always, we look at our other metrics here. So we know HPI down 9.5 from the peak, 2% just last month. Median is now sitting at $880,000. That's about a $6,000 drop from last month. We're down 12 points from its high seven months ago, right? We were at a million bucks for median. We're down $120,000 in seven months. But it is stabilizing because median has only moved 2% over the last three months. It is showing signs of stabilization. 
Keep in mind, HPI is a lagging indicator. HPI is still catching up to that 12-ish percent where median and average was, okay? So HPI is 9.5, median and average were down around 12. HPI is still playing catch-up. Average price, let's talk about that, $1,234,000. It went up $44,000 last month. First time I've said that in seven months. Up $44,000 just last month which puts it now only down 9% since its peak. That's down about 138K. Okay, is that an outlier? Maybe, it's one data point. Obviously, we're not anywhere near a trend here with one. But again, saying the first time it's gone up in seven months. Meanwhile, we are seeing uh, median stabilize. Can you sense things are changing? Again, we touched on this on last week's podcast where we said, look, there's some early, early indicators of bottom metrics point poking their heads out here. So let's keep an eye on it. Now, there are a couple of interesting and uh, somewhat shocking numbers that we wanted to share as well, because these are big ones. And of course, these should be get some headlines as well. Fraser Valley, median detached price is down 25% from the peak in February. That is down $455,000 for your average detached there. It is has been dropping at the rate of $65,000 a month. Even more so. Yes, big numbers. North Vancouver, median price of a detached, also down 25%, but it's a higher price point. So they're down $470,000 on average. West Vancouver is down 23%. But we know West Van homes are not inexpensive. They're down 627000 from the peak. Media. Wow. Not the full wow. story, but hey, wanted some sticker shock fun here. So there you go. <laughs> now, last month, I predicted that the HPI would drop 2%. It did. It was 2.1%. So I'm here for another uh, guess at what's going to happen here, another expectation. Again, we are seeing the HPI finally catch up. And as... Average jumped as median has stabilized. I think we're going to see HPI drop half a percent next month. That is my October prediction. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the deals that we're currently looking at right now, a lot of the statistics that we look at every single day when we are <clears throat> when we're running pricing on property, some of these metrics for the last, like Dan said, the last five to seven months have been arguably you know, in a very downward position. Whereas in the last month, we're starting to see, um, starting to see some, some resistance or some, some support, depending on how you look at it. Um, but that being said, even days on market, it dropped. It's at 18 days on, on market is your typical time frame for selling a home, but that only dropped one day from last month. So very interesting, again, to see that's a, that's a good behavioral template, days on market. Um, your per foot analysis, typically we're looking at $801 per square foot. That is only down $3 a foot. So it appears to be stabilizing just like the median and average prices. Yeah, and even more so, Ryan, there's another data point here. That percent of list price to sale price also identical to last month at 96.4%. So we've just shared with you five examples of very important metrics that have all stabilized over the last two to three months here. If 
timing the market is important to you, and I'm not saying you should try to do this, but again, it's all about time in the market. But if timing the market is important to you, you want to be paying extra close attention to what's happening here. Because these metrics, you're not going to hear anywhere else, but these are the metrics that point to a market shift. These are the metrics that are saying the bottom is coming. Now, an infinite amount of things can happen outside of this that can affect it and make it go lower. But as of today, status quo, it's nearing the bottom. Now, what does that mean? Is it three months, four months? Possibly. But again, these are the first times that we're sharing with you stabilization numbers in seven months. So what happens next? I think, Ryan, further to this point, those good old multiple offers are poking their heads out again, too. Uh, you, we have not to seen too many of those lately. Well, sorry, lately being six months-ish. But all of a sudden, we're in them. We're having our properties in them. We're, our colleagues are talking about multiples. Now, again, this isn't 10, 15 multiples like it was six months ago. But we're hearing and having all these stories of stale listings on the market two, three months. All of a sudden, they get two, three offers. Uh, went and saw a place in West Vancouver just this week. Had so much interest, they decided to hold to ultimately get multiples. And I guarantee you, they will. Three-bedroom condo on Bellevue. But again, these are outliers. But these are the early indicators of a market shift. And not necessarily all that outlying, Dim. I mean, when we think about, uh, we had clients looking at a property in New Westminster, a 48-year-old townhouse. Yes, it's been um, recently renovated. Not entirely. Probably 75, 70-ish percent of the home has been renovated. 48 years old. Sold subject-free. Subject-free. 48 years old. In multiple offers over the list price exactly there you go so right. these stories are becoming interestingly more frequent I, now i will yeah. oh, go ahead dan no no please well i was just going to say the other thing that I'm, I'm finding quite interesting too um we are getting a number of backup offer positions that are getting more and more interesting you're seeing still there's people out there who are really struggling with their financing and when you uh, you know, as a listing agent, you definitely want as many offers as you can to guarantee the sale of the property. And I have recently been encouraging more and more agents, more and more buyer agents to put in backup offers because we are seeing requests for extensions to re, you know, uh, help them out with their, their financing or they're switching banks between deals. And then you're getting these backup offers that are even better than the offer that they've got on the table. And subsequently you're now seeing deals that are ultimately trying to get frustrated for the better ones coming behind them, which is an interesting flavor. It's not something that we've seen in the last six months. Again, more behavioral changes. Um, we'll see where it goes from here, certainly, but it, it is markedly different. I would say that could largely be the outcome, Ryan, of people waiting for inventory and then recognizing that it's not coming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, that is really the point. best option for me right now. Oh, I do still yeah. need a house. Oh, I don't want to pay record high rent. Okay, let's actually go after that property. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we had a property, it sold downtown, I want to say two, three weeks ago. We had an offer on it. We had an inspection performed and, you know, I had a realtor reach out to me in the middle of uh, this situation going on. And he said, Hey, you know, I've got someone in the building who, who really wants the unit. They're a little late to the party, but we're going to put in a backup offer. And, um, they did that. We went through an inspection process and, um, 
as a result, the client, the buyer wanted to have a number of things fixed. And we argued that we had a strong backup offer and that we wanted to sell it the way it was. And they backed out of it. And we actually sold the home for $25,000 more in that position. So it's something to, to think about. It is happening. Um, and for all those realtors out there, if you're listening and you're thinking about a, a backup offer or you are educating your clients around backup offers, I would seriously consider the weight of a backup offer right now. Financing is still a challenge, understandably, for many. And so typically, if these uh, current offers do collapse, it's going to be because of financing. So having your ducks in a row and a backup offer there's a higher likelihood of that deal going through than there has been in, in years, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Now, a couple key dates to keep in mind because they're coming up here soon. Wednesday, October the 19th, we are going to see the new inflation numbers here for Canada. I predict those are going to go down for the third month in a row, even if it's just a little bit. Now, if it's a lot, a lot, let's call it being a full percent-ish or more, that is going to create a very interesting dynamic for the next key date being October the 26th, where the Bank of Canada has their next interest rate announcement. Right now, it's priced in at about 50 basis points. If the, infl excuse me, if the inflation print is much lower, it's going to be some interesting pressure there. I'm now seeing more talk of a 0.25% than I'm seeing of a 0.75%. Likely still going to be 50, but again, people are trending now to the lower side more so than the higher side. And the reason is, is because housing is getting louder than inflation. Inflation has been the public pressure keyword now for about six, six, seven, eight months now. But housing is getting so unaffordable. Businesses can't afford their loans. The economy is slowing at a tremendous rate. And so what happens? Pressures on the central banks to slow or even reverse their policies. As an example of this, Banks in the States here for reference, because we know our, our neighbors to the South are going to very much emulate what we see here. The U.S. last month saw a 22-year low in new mortgage applications. 22-year low in new mortgage applications. That says a lot because that, that's going through a few, a number of upward cycles. So demand is down 21% from this time last year, but check this number out and it's, it's big, but it's understandable. Refinances are down 75% from last year. Now, yeah. of course, because if you're refining now, you're refining at a way higher rate. Yeah. You're kind of doing yourself a disservice, but essentially it's putting on hold all the people that would pull equity out of their home and spend it, which is of course, slowing the economy, slowing spending. Ultimately, what's that result? Inflation is going to come down. On top of that, you've got both the UN and the IMF, the International Monetary Fund here, calling for the Fed to stop these hikes because they're seeing things start to break, start to collapse, and they don't want it to continue. Uh, we saw... Well, the Bank of England is here, breaking. <laughs> that's it. And we saw both... Well, most central banks globally, but especially, let's keep it focused here on Canada and the States, we know that they were had the low rates for too long and they should have started increasing earlier. So they are reactive and they're being reactive again here. And they're going to be, in my opinion, late to drop or even halt their rate hikes. If they left it alone now, I still think we would see um, the inflation get to a manageable level in a reasonable amount of time. Let's call it 12 months, though. I think they are going to overcorrect and drop this thing through the floor and then have to overstimulate again. 
I think they've already overcorrected. I think, you know, and the reason for that, uh, a lot of the metrics that they use, we know this are latent, right? They use a lot of latent data to figure out where the economy is <clears throat> instead of using real time, real time data, right? That real time data being, um, call it like strike or, or sorry, stripe purchases, MasterCard purchases and understanding what people are buying for how much today. Uh, instead we do surveys on companies and they take two to three months to figure out what people are buying. And as a result of that, the data we deal with is latent. So by the time we have to make a decision, the impact has already taken place. So it's very interesting to see how this is playing out. Um, and I think a lot of things could be done better. Uh, that being said, um, you know, even gasoline in the state stand has dropped to pre-pandemic levels. So we're seeing demand destruction from this uh, rate hike or these rate hikes um, that really are driving the economy down and not just, not just here, but globally. So it's going to be very interesting to see what continues to take place. If, if, you know, the borrowing money continues to get extremely expensive you know, and energy prices continue to, to go up all over the world. I, you know, we just saw OPEC slash 2 million barrels a day uh, from production. So we're going to see energy continue to climb in prices, right? The, the, the crying for um, lower interest rates is only going to get louder from here, a lot louder. Yeah, great example. We know the discretionary and the luxury spending is typically the first thing to pull back. And we got a, a fun little anecdote here for you to share. If you jump on eBay right now for the states, eBay.com, there are 152 Lamborghini, 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 excuse me, Urus is for sale. Those are quarter million dollar cars. There are more Lamborghini Uruses for sale than there are Honda Civics. <laughs> on all of eBay. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> reference. But again, it just goes to show you. And this is, to me, very reminiscent of exactly what we saw in April, May of, of 2020. When the pandemic hit, lockdowns were there, people were freaking out, didn't know what was next. Many people lost their jobs. The internet was flush with luxury cars that were available at big discounts, lease takeovers, what have you. And here we are again seeing that. So get ready for some form of stimulus and hopefully it's not free helicopter money, but again, expect these rates to drop soon because the economy is going to be need to be pushed forward and somebody's got to save housing again because we all know that is their non-public mandate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, we're, we're seeing that not just in, in eBay, but you go to Facebook Marketplace and, and you look at just about any car now, or you look about, look at Rolexes, you look at you know all these luxury items. There's not only many of them for sale. There's a lot of them that have also slashed prices now too. So we're seeing uh, a number of uh, indicators in different marketplaces showing us that um, demand destruction is very, very real, very present, and and the negative wealth effect is here. <laughs> that is one great way to get inflation under control. That's it for this week. Thanks, as always, for watching and listening. Our contact info is below. Please, we'd love to book a one-on-one -on -one private call with you to talk more about real estate. Thanks, and have a great week. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. 
for more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.